0: Hello and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bearers, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of CANA, the Native American Programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Don Anderson. A citizen of the United Tribe of Wisconsin, he's a behavioral health professional at Circle of Nations School in Wapaton, North Dakota. He's of the very few Native American men in the United States that has his bachelor's in social work. Don is one of the most remarkable individuals I know. In my past work career uh, at Circle of Nations School, we addressed numerous complicated and hard situations. His approach to problem solving came from a place that you can't learn in school, his youth, his background, his training, his life experience makes him one of the most valuable community members that I know. So let's jump into this conversation with Don. So Don, thank you so much for for being a part of the podcast. Uh, Can you introduce yourself, Um, talk about uh, a little bit about yourself and your background?
1: My name's Don Anderson. I'm a licensed social worker in North Dakota. Um, background is, well, I come from a, uh, I guess, a poor family. Didn't realize that I was growing up until we got older. Um, father worked very hard to provide home for us. He struggled. Um, they had drinking issues when we were growing up. They eventually stopped both. Um, had a pretty good up. thought I had a pretty tough childhood um, until I got into my present career. Um, I just started working with uh, Native American youth in 2011, um, working with them and listening to their stories and how they were brought up and how they were raised. Um, A lot of them made my childhood seem like it was almost perfect. Um, My struggles were uh, basically racial. but we always had food to eat, we always had clothes to wear, and all those things. Um, no abuse, and working with these kids here, it's just like, it's just opened my eyes immensely on things that I took for granted, or, um, and thought that were bad, um, to give me a whole new outlook on life and how things are. I am very grateful for um, my upbringing and what my parents did to make us, to give us a better life. manufacturing most of my life, um, worked in middle management, got laid off in 2009, um, went back to school, uh, started social work, and ended up being a counselor at the circulation school, worked in Cass County as a case manager, and I will be going back to school for my master's this fall.
0: Which, congratulations, that's that's a huge accomplishment. Um, we talked a little bit before we started the recording. Um, you know, the Native American men um, ha- are extremely underrepresented um, within education, uh, more so than Native American women, um, for I think a variety of reasons. But I think right now, uh, from the numbers I looked at, uh, 9.3% is the is the percentage of Native American men who have uh, received their bachelor's degree, and as they move through the process of education with the masters and, and beyond, uh, it gets exponentially smaller. And so I think uh, what you're going through is a great example for youth um, and especially people in our field who, who need to have role models. Um, and obviously people with experience in that in that role as well. Um, yeah, Circle of Nations I think is, is lucky to, to have you, not not just because of, of your experience and skill set, but there are not a lot of male Native American counselors out there or who are um, licensed and who have been through the process. Have you encountered, um, have you worked with other uh, male Native American um, counselors?
1: No. Um, I, I, I've met one through um, I just insisted, um, but other than that, no. I don't know any personally, other than you know, like I said, I met another gentleman in uh,
0: Sisseton. But other than that, I know none at all. Mm. So, to to the person that's listening to this, um, we used to work together um, yes, in the past. Uh, I was initially um, I was a child protection officer, and uh, and then later on, I worked in the administration side. Um, but yeah, that's that's how we've gotten to know each other uh, right. through the years. And uh admittedly without going into detail we've been through some pretty intense experiences um in that time where i feel like had it not had you not been there and leading the way in a lot of these situations i don't know how we would have gotten through some of those things and uh, sorry i'm sort of just improvising this off the top of my head but uh you know, i'm speaking from the heart though you know um i don't know how i would have gone through some of that stuff had you not been there well you
1: know i thank you for that um you know, and Dr. Scannell, my mentor, teacher, trainer, supervisor. Amazing individual. Um, yeah, amazing man. Um, he's, he always told me I had good clinical instincts and never asked him. I didn't think I should ask him. I think I should I should know what he's talking about, but I was kind of embarrassed to ask him because I really didn't know. So finally, after about a year and a half, I'm like, okay, I got to know. What are, cl- what are my clinical instincts? You always tell me I know this stuff and it's basically the way I approach people, Um, you know, talking to them, a gentle touch here and there, just things that I was taught as a kid. Okay, how to be nice to people, and uh, and approach people, treat people with respect. Um, Those are the things that I was taught growing up, and uh, I had to go to school four years to be able to get paid to use that in a professional way. So not that the education didn't help me learn other things, but my biggest asset, my biggest asset, and what I do is what I was taught growing up, and I find that kind of, I don't know, kind of odd. You know, you got to go; you're taught these things growing up, but you have to go to school for four years, <laughs> yeah. pay thousands of dollars to use what you were taught growing up. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, whatever. But um, it's great to be able to do that. Um, and I guess I didn't realize that was something unique or different. Um, I just took it for granted that that's just, you know how
0: you treat people and I think it's especially important uh, for where you came from where I came from and in a setting like this among Native American youth that there is someone that reflects not just what they look like but where they come from Um, because I mean you've seen it for sure especially on on the the dorm side back in the day where these kids see us coming from a mile away Mm -hmm. and they know um, if someone can't relate to them as, as good intention as they come uh, those kids will be throwing up those walls left and right. And a lot of times, maybe making it possible for staff to get through to them.
1: Well, you know, that's unfortunate, but, but it's true. And I've run into that not just working with, with uh, kids at circulation, but also in my job at Cass County as a foster care case manager. Um, people of color, um, not just Native Americans, but people of color generally um, – Think that a person of color has a better understanding of what they've gone through. Um, one I can think in particular, um, uh, family from Liberia, got to work with the fa- with their family, um, and when I first introduced myself to the family, um, the father was so grateful and thankful that uh, I was a person of color. He felt I understood what he's going through. Um, he recognized I was Native American and. He's like, you know what I mean? He says, when people just treat you different because of how you look, he says, you don't do anything wrong. And so, yeah, that, I mean, that helps a lot. Um, and I was also told that when I first enrolled in a social program that because being a male and a man of color that um, my opportunities are endless. I can, you know, there's so many things I can do. Um, but working with kids is uh, something I've always wanted to do and I had the opportunity. And then I left um, and going back to school to continue my education, Because I want to work with kids, I want to, and it's just something I've been drawn to my entire life. There's no rhyme or reason for it; it's just that's just what I want to do, and that's just what it is.
0: -hmm. So, who were your influences uh, growing up or along the way, and who are your influences now?
1: Um, Growing up, I had a lot. Um, Of course, my parents were a big influence on me. Um, My father was uh, not a very big man in stature, but when I think of him, um, he was probably like five. Maybe you know, 165 pounds, 170. But when I think of him, I think of this big, gigantic, um, this big, gigantic man. Um, okay, I guess you'd say he really didn't like the Hulk or something. This big, old, massive, strong man. That's why I envision my father. Um, he was very calm. Um, you know, he was very good to very good to his kids. Um, no. Uh, physical abuse or anything like that. Even when he was drinking, he never bothered us. Um, he was always nice and polite. My mom was a disciplinary. She was the one that would take you up back, send you She used to make a skater own switch and yep. you know, give you a little weapon If you didn't get the right one, you got another one. <laughs> um, so between them, and my mom was very nurturing as well, so between them, um, they taught me how to, like, I got a very good work ethic from my parents. Um, they taught me how to be empathetic, how to love, to protect myself so growing up um, I was not a what you call a fighter um, but where we lived I grew up uh, 60s through the 70s a um, lot of racial tension, a lot of blacks, you know rioting and things like that But the um, civil rights movement um, the death of Martin Luther King um, and it was just uh, I was we lived on the north side of Milwaukee, which was majority black. So during my, most of my elementary school, I, I was white, even though I wasn't. Um, because the number of white people in that community were very limited, so I was constantly defending myself. Um, for a while, it was like daily. On the playground, on the way home, on the way to school, constantly fighting. Um, and it wasn't a fight. I was afraid to hurt people. I was afraid to hit someone in the of it. I didn't want to make anybody bleed. Um, but second, third grade, and I went home crying. My brother told me, he said, you don't go out there and defend yourself. you come back in here, I'm going to kick your ass myself. So I had to go outside. went went to the kid's house. She opened the door and I just cracked them. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the beginning of my um, aggressiveness. Not because it was aggressive, just because you kind of had to. So I understand some of the kids and a lot of things that they go through. Um, and I believe that Native Americans are not they're not aggressive with people. I think we're very nurturing. I think that's in our in our um, in our genes. T- I think we became aggressive because we had to. Not that everybody can't be aggressive, but you become aggressive to your situation, and you adapt to your environment. Um, so as I was growing up, I was afraid to fight, but I had to fight. Um, and as I got older, it kind of got it kind of became me. So when I'm a teenager, that was me. So that as a teenage years, I just ca- I gradually um, reverted back to my natural self, which was not aggressive, not violent. Um, and I think back at those years, they helped me understand where some of the kids are coming from and why they do the things they do. Um, You're to think that there's no such thing as a bad kid? I believe that. Um, I believe their behaviors are, uh, they're looking for help. They're asking for something. They're undisciplined. Um, parenting skills lack for their parent because of all the things that happen uh, for one reason or another, reservations are you know, they're they're poor a lot of them uh, in the history of a lot of drugs and alcohol and uh, drugs and alcohol create bad parents because not that they're bad parents but their habits make them um, not pay respect to themselves by their family or their environment they become addicted to something that takes them away from everything else from not a person that they are And it's unfortunate, but the lower socioeconomic people are the ones that suffer the most from those things. Um, You know, Native Americans, any person of color. um, And it just seems our resources for help are very limited, are non existent. You know, reservations are another one. I mean, the resources for, um, are are almost nothing. There is a vast area of land, and the resources are, are so limited that, they can't help everybody that wants help. It's unfortunate, we got to its just a continuing cycle um, of things that have to change. And, um, my family is part of that change. Uh, we've all had our share, myself included. Of uh, I was a drinker, um, but we've all changed. I don't drink much anymore. I haven't had a drink probably in a couple of years. I might have a—you know—I actually quit drinking, partying uh, in '96. I had a. Where I went back and started drinking again, but um, it wasn't what I wanted to do. So I, you know, it was just something that uh, doesn't make any sense.
0: <clears throat> so, you know, it's along the way. Um, where? So the the next question is um, the importance of education. Where along the way? Where where did you? Um, decided that you needed to go back to school and maybe refocus yourself?
1: Um, I was probably 30, but it took me 20 years to do it. Um, actually, I had to take that back. I wanted to do this when I was very young. Actually, I, wanted, I started to go to school when I was, I think I was about 20. Uh, we had one child, my then-girlfriend, now my wife, when I became pregnant. Um, so I went back to work. From a minimum wage job up to middle management, um, which I thought was very successful, with nothing but a GED. So I'm um, like, "This is great! You know, we got a good income. We were able to build a new house, had new vehicles, and stuff like that." And and that was that was my start of my thinking. i like, "Okay, if I go back to school and get some business degree." That I could continue to grow in that area um, and become—I don't know—maybe vice president. Um, this, that, actually, that vice president thing, president of a company, takes me back to when I was like 18 years old. Um, I went to a Native American employment center um, looking for a job. They helped you, you know, find jobs. It was a multi thing. They had counselors and stuff there, but it was—it was a pretty much catch all stuff for people that need help it was very small, they didn't have you know, almost nothing there, but they tried to help and uh, <coughs> the the counselor that was working with me um, asked me if I could be anything that I wanted to be what would it be, and I'm like okay thinking, I'll be a machine operator and he goes no, that's not it, that's not enough if you could be anything you wanted to be what would you be thought about it for a couple minutes and I'm like president of a company he said good that's what you want to do you want to see your a goal and work towards that goal um and that stuck with me all that time even though i didn't always follow it but once i once i started working i started getting you know my family and stuff that kept sticking with me you know that's what you want to do so that and um helped drive me to get to where i was in, in manufacturing one day I walked in, everything was, the market crash. this was like 2009, um, you know, everybody's scrambling, people are losing new jobs, and uh, I was one of them. Walked in one day, me a severance package, it was during a time when uh, we had, a, there was a lot of funding going around, so my first two years at college were free, so I was like, I gotta do this. Um, but when I enrolled in college, I enrolled in at business administration. That was my plan, that's what I did, that's what I knew just continue in that. So I get my classes. I'm ready to go. Orientation day. Talk to my advisor, and uh, we're having a conversation about stuff. And I kind of tell her what I, you know, about like working with kids and stuff. And she uh, asked me if I'd be willing to talk to another um, advisor. And I said sure. Um, lady's name is Shar Shuler Fantastic lady. She's a lady that also influenced me in, in what I'm doing now. Um, but I talked with her for like 45 minutes and uh, realized that I didn't really want to do business that I wanted to work with people, help people so that started my education into the field of social work Um, I got a mental health associate degree and uh, transferred to university and got my bachelor's degree and I was 50 years old when I graduated Hmm. 62 when I graduate again. And thinking about it and talking about it is, is just energizing. Um, getting back into counseling is just, I don't know, it energized me. gave me like this I was so sluggish and stuff and then when I decided to go back to school get back into counseling, I just got this burst of energy. Like I don't know where it came from but it's just like the boom and everything is just like, it's just, it's fantastic. Mm. So I'm guessing this is what, I guess you know, counseling is where I need to be.
0: Hmm. So, uh, what, what have you learned along the way?
1: Um, well, it's, I mean, I learned a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I've learned that, uh, there's people that you have to associate with. Um, and there's people that you don't. There's people that will come into your life, um, and be a support, but won't always be there. Um, you have some really good relationships that won't last forever uh, you make friends along the way that are seem like lifelong friends and uh, you know as life goes on people change and people go different places um, and your friends leave but one thing that never leaves you is your family your family is always there no matter how far apart you are from them they're always there for you um, you know you can have your best friends and stuff like that um, <coughs> But your family will always be there for you. Yeah. That's what I want to be true, um, you know. Uh, but it's it's uh, it's been an amazing experience for me. Um, when I went back to school. Everybody in the classroom were like the age of my kids. <laughs> so, and my best friends, be, I, my friends were like twenty, twenty-four, both in uh, uh, North Dakota's <coughs> science school and also in Moorhead State. Yeah. Um, my best friends were in their twenties. And we still have a friendship today, but uh, it's not the same. I mean, we were really close. We were in school, and then, of course, everybody goes on, and they get their life, and they, you know, I got one one of my closest friends at the time. She's in uh, Germany, uh, and they just kind of move on with their life, and they just travel on.
0: Hmm. Your your comment about uh, family being there for you really resonates. Um, you're right. Uh, you, we form strong bonds with people, and and we come and go. You know, it's. Um, I was having a conversation at the museum the other day with a staff person, and they were sort of hesitant about telling me their future where they want to go, because um, I think because we work together, and they they want to make it. They don't. How do I say this? Um, they don't feel like they. Want to admit that they want to move on to somewhere else? That they should be a company person, you know. And I i, re, I, I guess I reinforce this idea that people come and go. You know, um, as a, myself as a supervisor, when I work with a staff person, I want to get them ready for their next job to make sure that they're ready to move on. I—I I have no expectation for someone who we hire for them to be with us for twenty years. You know, it's I, and so. Uh, just like myself, I, I I don't know where I'm going to be in five or ten years, but um, the the point is is that we we all come to go, uh, like Circle of Nations, you know? Um, I think, well, here at CNS, it seems like we, we come, we <laughs> go, we come back, we go. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that happens a lot. It's just yeah. one
1: of those things. Um, but what, you, what you're talking about that, is that something um, I learned as I was going through my manufacturing career? Um going from machine operator to a group leader to a supervisor to a division manager, um, all those are different different things and what I've learned through that is is not to be a supervisor like I had. Um, I had supervisors that would criticize everything you did, wanted you to be better, but they didn't know how to get you there. Mm-hmm. Um, they would criticize what you did and tell you to do better. Um, and that Supervising uh, career, that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I encouraged people to ask why. You know, why are you doing this? No, no, we've always done it that way. Okay, you know, why are you doing it? No, that's we all want to do it. So, those are things that, you know, why are we doing this? And, and yes, to encourage them to grow, um, you don't want to see good employees leave, but you also don't want to hold them back. You don't want to have them there just because they're good at what they do, but they could do much more. Mm-hmm. It may not be with the current employer which is unfortunate but you want to encourage them and help them grow yeah. and that's what I try and do mm-hmm. uh, because that's I had um, his name was Brad Johnson was my first manager that I reported to in supervision uh, didn't like me but after a while um, we were talking and he told me he said you know I didn't like you like didn't like you either but we became very good friends after we worked together he seen what I did and he encouraged me and he helped me grow um I had another one, name was Rick Bryson same thing, he came in and helped me grow, I, and all through my manufacturing career, my most of my supervisors helped me grow there was a few in there that wanted to hold me back, and that happens everywhere you know, they don't want you They f- for some reason they may think you're, you're gonna excel and pass them up so they want to kind of keep you down um, but um know, and what that happened. that's life. you know, there's people are going to help you and people that aren't, um, and you have to be, you have to be able to work with people that don't want you to succeed, because you're also going to have them, mm-hmm. and you can succeed with that opposition.
0: I think the trick is, is, is how to manage yourself working with those people, right. you know, uh, how you react, how you manage your own reactions to them, right. you know, yeah.
1: You don't have to like them. You don't have to be friends with them, but for eight or ten hours a day, whatever you're doing, you have to be able to associate with them and work with them, mm-hmm. and that's all you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I found that to be in, in every every job except two,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that was here at Circlevations and at Cast C- 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 County. Yeah. Um, there was, I mean, I can't. Uh, they're both great places to work, and uh, you know, I don't just one of those things.
0: But other than that there's always been somebody somewhere yeah. that uh kinda of doesn't want just to succeed. They may right. tell you they do, but you know what I mean, right? I, 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 Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um you know uh I'm still i I'm still on the on your point about family being there, you know, and uh you're you're spot on with family. Um you know, uh, recently went through something and my two, uh, my cousin or my two cousins who we all grew up together. Um, you know, they've been with me through this, this thing that's going on and, uh, they went through the same thing, uh, recently and sometime back also. And we were, you know, I was there for them and vice versa. Um, yeah. So I think there's, there's a lot to be said about, um, relatives and family always being there, you know. Uh, through, you know, um, obviously family gets complicated sometimes, but um,
1: yeah. I have, I have a story in that. Um, I had a cousin when I was growing up, and he was older than I was, um, but I used to go by his house, and he was a teenager, you know, like, and uh, older than I was, and, you know, i kind of hang around with him, you know. Um, and i seen him as I got older, I'd seen, I'd seen him out, um, talking about around, you know, the bars and stuff, and seen him for a long time we had a family picnic and uh i seen him and we talked um, conversation was great um almost like there was no time lapse at all but we figured out it was like over 30 years before we seen each other but that family connection that same thing it was still there mm-hmm. it wasn't you know it didn't change just because we didn't see each other It was, mm-hmm. it was still there.
0: Hmm. the time the time aspect is interesting too um i i just recently had seen a sister of mine who lives in Dallas and the last time that she was up in the area was I believe in the summer of 93 and of course you know I I think at the time I was 14 15 and she was 30 something um we have the same dad uh she was uh from his first marriage back in the 50s Uh, yeah back in the 50s and when we reconnect when we connected in the 90s we kind of thought, well, hey, you know, um, I'll see you next summer. I'll see you in a couple summers, and uh, every and, and it didn't happen. But it was always sort of the intention of, well, next summer, too, we'll we'll you know, you'll come up for a Fourth of July powwow, or we'll you know have something you can stay with us for a month, you know. And every couple of years, oh yeah, we'll come up in a couple of years. Uh, next year we'll come up. a Couple of years. Well, she finally came up uh, the last uh, couple of weeks, and we of course we reconnected and talking no time had passed between the 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 love and the relationship there but 28 years did and it was it was a shocking moment realizing doing the math realizing that that for a lot of cases that's a lifetime Mm -hmm. that we've lost like we can't get that back you know um and that's that's a thing too you know where uh time slips by you know and it's 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 great that we were able to connect and um hopefully we can connect later but uh yeah it's just it's hard to believe you know that almost 30 years have passed that we uh, that that much time has gone by
1: I had a brother too that moved out to California for 15 years you know he came back I was still his little brother even though I was now bigger than him Mm um but you know it was just yeah like nothing changed you know Mm -hmm. Um, except I was older and able to go and do things with him more um it was it was cool to be able to have that and realize nothing's changed but also you know 15 years i went from a little kid to a grown man before he's seen
0: me yeah my sister she brought her daughter with her who was i think nine at the time and now she is the age that she was when she first came up which blows my mind because i'm i'm in my mid-40s now and I, i see her daughter to me is still kind of a kid and I'm like, wow, how did she come up from Texas, you know, uh, with her kids in tow uh, at that age? You know, it's 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 funny how perspective changes, too, yeah. you know. That's
1: what you always understand when, when you were growing up and you were 30 years old and some person older called you a kid. Yeah. You know, I, I get that now. I'm like, you're just a kid, but I'm 30. No, you're still a
0: kid.
1: You've <laughs> got a lot to, lot, lot to learn and a lot to do
0: in your life. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which... um, the, the last question I always pose is, is what would you say to the 18- or the 22-year-old that's that's listening to this right now?
1: Um, I, I know it's difficult for them to do, but to look, take a look at themselves inside, what, what do they truly want to do? You know, like I said, when I was, they asked me what I wanted to be a machine operator, I would have been perfectly content doing that and be able to support my family. That was my goal. Um, but to have a dream, look at something bigger, better, you know, something... Um, you don't have to be a president of a company you don't have to be this you know I mean if, if uh, working a machine factory you drink that that's great fantastic do it you know um, but you know reach for your goals um, don't let anybody tell you you can't do it um, you can do anything you put your mind to um, you know it's a matter of uh, willpower um, you can always find someone to support you uh, you know if you want to better yourself I you know, family members, somebody in the community you know um, you can get support and you need one person to support you you don't have to have a whole lot one person that you can lean on when things get tough when you're focusing on your dreams um, you need that one person that you can lean back on and say okay I'm struggling right now, I need some help and you have that um, you don't have to have, the more the better but you need at least one you gotta have at least one person that you can say this is the person that I can
0: always do, trust hmm. Well, Don, thank you so much for this. Um, this was great being able to sit down with you and, and reconnect and, and talk about the, the work that you do. Um, is there is there anything uh, you would like to to leave with? Um, I, you know, I
1: just you know, for, for not just for the young kids that listen to it, but for anybody. Like I was, I was you know, late like forties when I went back to school. It's never too late. You know, I'm going to be sixty two.
0: And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Don again for his time and sharing his story with us. And I'm gonna say it, this episode is up till this point, the most important episode we've done so far. And I say this in the full knowledge that, you know, I've um, interviewed some of the the country's best artists, uh, some very dear friends, my wife, And people that I've held to great esteem for for my career in life but Don is in a category that is completely separate from everyone else and that's being a behavioral health professional and I think it's extremely important for us as a community to uphold and respect our behavioral health professionals as much as we do our um, creative individuals our artists and uh, or other successful working professionals because I've seen his work firsthand you know we've tackled some big issues in the past in my, my previous career and I've seen how the community doesn't value some of these folks like they should and I just I just want to put a spotlight um, not just on Don but those who who dedicate their careers to helping, not just our youth, but but all of us. And I think we need to reassess how we value people. And Don is one of these individuals that he's not out there to put himself first. In fact, that's not what he does. And I think trying to get this interview was not as easy as it has with some of these other interviews I've been able to do, but I'm so fortunate and grateful that he did. and I, I really hope a lot of people listen to this episode. So, you know, um, yeah, I, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I just have a lot of appreciation for Don and all that he's done and what he's going to be doing uh, for for decades to come. So, Don, thank you so much for this. I also want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. Um, I'm Joe Williams. You can find us on uh, the canna creativity among native American artists on facebook twitter instagram all that and at our website where you can find all our programming um if you have someone that you would like me to speak to uh please reach out to me it would be great to hear from you all right you take care and we will see you next week